Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, everyone. This is Danny Myers from Cosmic Crash, and you're listening to the Lena Jones Morning Sparkle. Good morning. Good morning, Diamonds Health. Everybody doing on this beautiful Wednesday morning um, here in sunny Virginia. We got a lot of sun today. Um, <laughs> this is Lena Jones, and I'm going to be here with you for the next hour talking about some scripture. And I'll tell you, we need scripture now more than anything before. And it doesn't matter whether you're not whether you're not perfect or whether you um whether you're celebrating Halloween or not, whether you're dressing up or giving the kids trick or treat, you know, we all have to pray. We all have to pray and we all have to live on this earth together until it is our time to go. So why not live in harmony? Um if you establish your own personal relationship with God, then you can't let the little stuff um, bother you. Um, this is the Hollows night, and a lot of little kids will be out, and I am going to give out candy. Um, whether that's right or wrong, some people view it as right. Some people view it as wrong. Everyone has an opinion. You know, everyone has one, an opinion that is. <laughs> So, you know, I'm not going to uh I'm not going to stress about that. I pray and and uh I know that I that uh, I live in sin. <laughs> I don't live in sin, but hey, I am a sinner. And I openly admit that. I am a sinner. I sin. And so, uh I I can't say so, but <laughs> you have to pray about these things. And I tell you, the devil is so busy. He is so busy. It's like he's been unleashed and he is just rounding out stuff. I'm telling you from our government to the people in Pittsburgh to the 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 guy sending the bombs in the mail, uh shooting over racism, dropping people out planes. I'm telling you he is busy. Busy y'all, busy. So we have to keep be prayed up. You have to be prayed up in this uh in this day and age. Establish that relationship with God cuz sometimes you can't get that from your church. And I'm just keeping it real here. You can't. Sometimes you can't get that from your church. Sometimes it's not in the preacher and it's just not there. You know? So you have to establish your own relationship because you can't find it in your church. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't can't uh, have it within yourself. The church truly lives within you. Pick up a Bible, start reading, start praying, and and things of that sort. And eventually, God will send you that right choice, that right preacher, that small uh, gathering. It doesn't even have to be out of a church, you know. So don't let anyone make you think that you can't uh, worship God because you are not in a church of course the temple is the church is the temple but the temple when Jesus Christ came is within you it's good to be in the church the bible says do not do not not gather but he also says wherever one or two gathers i am there too okay this is just my rhetoric <laughs> however you want to call it but i'm happy you know what i got a um got a comment on my uh, website, on the webpage for the LJ Morning Sparkle Show. My first comment. I was so happy. So I was thankful for that. And it was a positive comment. You know, sometimes you see comments and you don't want to read them. <laughs> but, hey, publicity is publicity, right? Excuse me. Positive or negative? Well, anyway, um, I'm not going to waste any more time. I think I wasted about five minutes already, almost. So we're going to get right into Daniel. The last time we had left off with Daniel, um, the dream was discovered and um, some more things. But Nebuchadnezzar is stubborn. You ever seen someone that's just plain stubborn, bullheaded, prideful, and what I did was I, I said, well, let me, let's look up pride. Pride is a feeling, a deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. 
If you look at it in a noun version, it's called it is a a feeling pleasure or um satisfaction from one's own achievement. The achievement of those whom one is closely associated. From qualities, possessions that are widely admired. That's in the noun verb, noun form. If you look at it in a verb form, it says be especially proud or particular quality or skill to being proud of yourself. Uh, we have a lot there. This is a prideful society that we live in from our government. It starts from the top and it trickles on down to the bottom so to those people that have nothing but listen to crazy rhetoric and go out and do stupid things. I hope you keep the people in Pittsburgh, the Jewish people, our, our chosen people, um, keep them up in prayer uh, for their families and and things of that sort. Just pray for your own protection, your own family protection, as well as those around you. Pray for the world. The world need prayer, Craig. The world need prayer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so now there's certain things that we do every day that maybe you don't realize that they're prideful because what I was doing when I was looking over a list of prideful things and I really just uh not will I can't say I was surprised well I kind of was because some of them are things that I do and I'm like that's prideful so you just have to now these didn't come out the Bible. This is my research. This is my Google research that says these things are prideful. Now the Bible does have a list of things that they feel are prideful and an abomination and all of this stuff. You have to read the Bible. I don't personally quote scriptures that you can go to to uh help in times, but there there's also an index in the back that can help you. I don't know the Bible that well to be able to do that. And I say that open and honestly, I don't. I can't say, like, I can look and tell you where it says refer to. Like in certain parts of Daniel, it takes you back to Abraham, takes you into Jeremiah, Ecclesiastics, and Nehemiah. But I could do that on my own, but to say for you to do it, um, sometimes it could be quite uh, a little bit complicated and the scripture may say something that that statement is something that you don't really understand what the statement was and it kind of throws you off and it, and it makes people not understand. I know it does for me. I can go back and it'll say refer to the scripture. I'll go back to that scripture and I'll read that that text and I'll I won't understand what that text was saying. I understood the path that I was on while I was reading. And but then when I went back to reference things, um I see it kind of throws me off sometimes. So I just rather just go ahead and read. Like from reading Daniel, I see uh, references of uh, Nehemiah, references to Esther, the book of Esther, uh, to Job, those things, those scriptures that I went over on this show already. That's right. This show has helped me to um, understand something. Some things I knew, some things I understood, and there were some in between. There's always that in between cracks, <laughs> in between cracks, in between. <laughs> My choice of words, right? Uh, in between stuff that you don't really get. Uh, so that's pretty much why um, why I'm doing this. So here's some things about pride. That I kind of knew and some of them I didn't. Maybe it can help you. So prideful traits, uh, it causes us to filter out fault in other. Finding fault. Finding fault is one of them. Uh, it causes us, pride causes us to filter out fault in others that we we don't see in ourselves. It causes us to blame others when something goes wrong. And even if you're doing it lightly, it's still not not something that you should do. I have a husband whose philosophy is if it goes wrong, it's my fault. And I'm pretty sure there's plenty of wives out there, girlfriends uh, um, that can identify with that. 
they can identify with the fact that, and this is just petty stuff. I mean, if he if he's doing it over major stuff, then there's a problem, seriously. But if he's just doing it, like my husband says it jokingly, but it's really not a joke because in all honesty, in all honesty, that's what he's doing. When you find fault in others, okay, being judgmental, you you get, are you irritated um, that some somebody is doing something that's you not the way you want it to done, or um, do you do you think people would try to make? <laughs> I try to read my writing, and it's really not working for me sometimes. (laughs) um, And do you think people um, don't have things, the same things that you have? Uh, You get irritated, being judgmental, being irritated about something that's not being done the way you want it to be done. Uh, Do you care more about what other people's perception of you are I mean you may come across to people as the nicest person but deep down inside behind closed doors you're awful that's prideful um I didn't know that and I didn't I didn't know that I don't do that but I didn't know that that was considered as uh something being prideful um believing that your your sins now this is the one that got me now I understood this one really good. So I said, finding fault, being judgmental, thinking you can do things better than other people, and putting the false perception out there to make a person think that you're one thing when you're truly not behind the story or something else. And we have a lot of that on social media. (laughs) Stuff's out there on social media as one thing, and we know that we're not, but we do that anyway. And I'm going to make a couple of more um. Um, comments on social media during the scripture, because I think a lot of it has to do um, that directs back to uh, scripture. And racism, that's another one. If you think that you are better than another class of people, um, you you think that you're better than others because of your skin or because of your education, your home or anything like that, anything that you think that you're better than other people deems you to be judgmental. So I, my writing, I don't even know why I write because I write and then I get back to it. I don't know what I wrote because it's just like all over the place. I'm pretty sure some of you know know about that. I can, I can write and I can read. I can't edit worth a crap. <laughs> I got Grammarly. It helps me sometimes, but uh, it doesn't. Um, the other thing is believing that your sins are greater than God's grace. That is a sin. When we sit down and we feel that we have a problem, when I sit down and I feel that I have a problem, and the problem is so big that I pray on it and then I turn around and ask someone else to help me with it. Or I turn around and find my own way to solve it. That's a sin. I really didn't think that was a sin. You know, I, I really didn't think of that as a sin. And that that's that really uh, got me. <laughs> that really got me because that's what I do. And that's what we do. In a society, we pray and we ask not giving God it's like, okay, this is too big for God. He can't handle this. So I'm going to go in here and handle this. And we're just plain human. We're just plain human. Um, um, and social media. Let's take social media, okay, for, for a minute. Now, in social media, you have an account. And you're looking at other people's account. And they may have more hits, more shares, more followers and all of that stuff to you. And you feel like, well, why isn't they following mine? Why aren't they following what I do? How come I'm not getting these shares? How come, oh, look at that. That's nothing. I posted this. You know, I only got two likes, such and such post something silly or you what you feel is frivolous and they got more likes or 
get more shares or they have more followers than you. Some people have been on uh, social media for a long time and got followers. Some people have been on there for a short time and got many followers. Some people just have the touch. <laughs> and some people do, don't. So you're going to go out and you're going to purchase followers. You're going to get someone. You're going to buy people to follow you. <laughs> Your account is going to grow from zero to 6,000 overnight. That's prideful. And it's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal. Uh, it's called a click farm. I don't, I don't, um, I don't believe in them. Uh, but people do it on social media all the time because they deserve it. They feel that their post deserves it. They feel that people should be following them, that they should get the likes. They don't believe in the power of one. I believe in the power of one. That means if you have one person that gave you that like, you may get two the next time. Um, so going out and uh, buying, buying stuff, Followers, shares, retweets, it's not good because they're not real people, and you see that. And not only that, it's illegal. And it's prideful. You know, earn it. Earn your stuff on social media. Now, um, going into Daniel, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is a man that's full of this. He has a lot of pride. And... um, after the fiery furnace, he still has a lot of pride, and he's still not—he's still not submitting. He's not submitting to God, and that's not good. Even though he saw the fire, he saw the three men come in and unharmed, not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. But what he did is he made a decree that every people in the nation and language that spoke anything inappropriate against the God of Sadrach, Meshach, Abednego. <laughs> I still don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, he he had a decree that anyone says anything inappropriate against them, he was there would be cut into pieces and their houses was going to be made of dunghill. So he still made no submission to God as being a foreign king. Now, this was what happened the last time that we were in Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so now time is going on, and he has another dream. He has another dream, and <laughs> I'm sorry. And he needs an interpretation. Of course, there's no interpretations. No one can interpret his dream. So he calls on Daniel. He calls after he speaks to the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers. They can't do it. So he calls on Daniel, <clears throat> whose name in that time, in during that time, is called Bel Belteshazzar. <clears throat> it's not. <clears throat> It's not the mic, it's me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this song called Brave while I get something to drink in my throat <clears throat> so I can come across a little clearer. This is Mariah Peters with the song Brave. I'll be back. I'll tell you.
tell you. This right here is brave. This what I'm doing right here is so brave because not as brave as Daniel, but it still makes you brave. That was Mariah Peters and uh, another one of my favorite songs called Brave. Um, So I had to get myself together for a moment. I made the mistake of coming into this without praying first because I was so busy trying to get stuff together. And that is no, no. (laughs) You have to pray so God can lead me through this thing smoothly so I can stop stumbling. (laughs) That's That's what I was doing. So we were talking about Nebuchadnezzar's second dream and how um, how even after he saw three men and an angel in the fiery furnace that he had put them in walk out unburned and unscorched. He did make a decree. He made a decree for anyone who does anything appropriate or, or says anything appropriate about the God for them to be cut into pieces and then their house turned into a dunghill or whatever. <laughs> basically so so but he still have not submitted that God is who he is so God is still working with him and he's putting things in order so let's see if Nebuchadnezzar is going to straighten up with his prideful self and I just spoke about the pride in today's society especially with social media and um, wanting things uh, our way and things of that sort so here is Nebuchadnezzar and his pride now I'm going to read this from scripture uh, because I really in reading it I really did not know how to break it down because there's so much in it so he calls for Daniel Daniel comes back in he he calls for Daniel because Daniel have the spirit of a true God in Nebuchadnezzar's eyes. He has a spirit of a living God that knows things that his uh, soothsayers and astrologers and magicians, they don't know because they're worshiping a pagan God, a God that is dead. It's just an idol. Our God is a living God, and he moves into action. He will be there for us. So he is there for Daniel, and Daniel gives him worship each time. He does. Now, chapter 4, 19, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's second dream, okay? This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, (laughs) Belteshazzar, mm, declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of my kingdom were not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke to Daniel and said, "Do not let this dream, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you." Daniel answered, "My lord, may the dream." concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies okay the tree that you saw which grew and became strong oh oh okay that was the interpretation i was ahead of myself here we go um belchazar chief of magicians <laughs> he is the chief of the magicians he put him ahead of everybody he put him above all of the soothsayer and the astrologers. So, um, the vision going on. He was looking on and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves are lovely. Its fruit abundant. And it and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Thus, chop down the tree cut, and cut off its branches. So off. And I'm sorry. 
Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him gaze with the beast on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. The reference number seven in the Bible always means something. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the Holy Ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets it, sets it, and sets over it the lowest of men, and sets over it the lowest of men. So he's saying it. God gives the kingdom to whoever he wants. And the kingdom could be, it, it doesn't have to be this physical king. Uh, it can be your position where you're sitting at now. He he gave it to you. He can give it to anyone. And he can give it to person lower than you that you feel is not as good as you. He can give it to that. That's a reaction to prideful behavior. So Daniel saw the dream. So this is his interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew, became strong, whose height reached the heavens, which could be seen by the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the King. They shall drive you from men. They should drive. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and in your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Now, the king, once again, he thanked Daniel. He he gave flourished candles uh, Flourish Daniel full of stuff. I don't know what's going on with me today. I'm just it's uh it's working and it's not. Now, what troubles Nebuchadnezzar also about this dream is that uh he all the things that unfolds after the good part. Now he liked the idea that he was great and he was bigger than ever and he had uh people that were birds in his branches he he sustained for everyone that was around him he didn't like the strange events that happened afterwards with the stomp um in the grass uh nebuchadnezzar the dream as uh him being a dominant person and he doesn't realize he he's still a man he's not a god he's he's still a man but he sees himself as a man, 
as a God, excuse me, and not realizing that he is a man and that he needs to pay homage to who is the king, who is the king over him, king. See, Babylonian had a huge kingdom, and you sit on the throne, ruler of this kingdom, you tower up high above everyone else, and you look down on everyone else. You're full of pride. You won't acknowledge God for who he say that he is. And as we know, our God is a jealous God. The heavenly force the heavenly forces are really working in his dream. He he has no control over the earth. You can't control the earth. You can't control whether the tree grows or uh in the grass that grows around it. And there was a lot of earthly um things used in here as far as the trees and the grass and, and all of that. And so that puzzles him. So and and it also puzzles him that the tree is cut down. Cut down that bothers him because he refuses to submit. It's all a part of submission. God is letting Nebuchadnezzar know that hey, no matter how big you are, you can be cut down and I can put someone that's lower than you in his place. You know, you need to give me the respect and give me the worship and the praise and, and believe that I am a sovereign God. So Daniel is warning King Nebuchadnezzar about about all this. And he's telling him that the heavens do rule. And he needs to show mercy for the poor people and spread some of his prosperity. But Nebuchadnezzar doesn't care about spreading his uh, prosperity. He doesn't care about that. His head is in the cloud. Now, Daniel warns Nebuchadnezzar to to come down off his high horse, to uh, to not uh, not be so hard on poor people, to have mercy. He's not trying to hear that. Now, Daniel he he approaches Nebuchadnezzar, tactful. He's humble. He doesn't leap and accuse him of anything. He doesn't judge him. He he starts the opportunity for him to repent, telling him that he needs to repent. And the king, he's given him an option to see, to cease the wickedness and show mercy. And uh, that's not what Nebuchadnezzar does, though. Nebuchadnezzar wants the dream interpreted because he feels like he wants to know what's being cut down. It's him that's being cut down. It's him that's going to be kicked out of his kingdom. And that's what happened. So about 12 months later, um, after all this, Nebuchadnezzar still, he shows no no type of uh, value for his son or to his daughter or to the family. The family doesn't exist to him. Only thing that exists is Nebuchadnezzar. And how many people do we have in our lives that are Nebuchadnezzars? That they're up there. We have a president who is up there, who feel that he's in a spot, he's not leaving, and you can't get him out. <laughs> you are, He feels that he's untouchable. We have different different types of things in the world that help, that makes, that think that they're untouchable. People, not things, but people in the world. It could be someone in your life. Nebuchadnezzar, outside of the president, <clears throat> it could be your, your uh, landlord, giving you a hard time about your rent or something else that think that they have that power to do that to your employee who who holds your paycheck, feels that they have the power to uh, do what they want to you, be merciless and uh, cruel because they hold that type of power. It can be a husband in a case of domestic uh, abuse where the wife is weakened because the husband is towering over her or she fears this big tower of a man. Um, it could be uh, a bully at school that's towering over someone, your kids in school, uh, that's uh, bullying them in some type of way. These are all prideful acts, and they are all um, acts that can get you cut down. He's letting them know no matter how tall you are or how big you are, you can always fall because you are a mere man. We are mere humans. 
He can take our lives and snap it in half, mess up everything. (laughs) And before we realize that we are not as great as we think that we are, we're not as big as we think we are. So there's lots of Nebuchadnezzars in the world. Lots of them, lots of them. So this is what happens. Uh, Now I'm going to verse 4, chapter 30. About a month goes by, not a month, a year. About 12 months go by. The king still isn't having any submission to God. He's still walking around prideful and still walking around big-headed. Now, so the king spoke. I'm starting with chapter 4, 30, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling the honor of my majesty? Wow. (laughs) While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, says the voice, to you it's spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men and and dwelling shall be, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know the most high rules in the kingdom, in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whoever he chooses. In that very hour, the Lord fulfilled his, what he said he was going to do. Nebuchadnezzar was driven out from his kingdom, and his body was found. They found the wet in the dew. Uh, in the dew, they call it heaven's dew. His hair had grown like a, like eagle feathers, and his nail was like bird claws. So basically, crazy. He, it doesn't specifically say how Nebuchadnezzar was kicked out of the, of, of his kingdom. How he, how they just kind of put him out, um, but it does make reference to like he was insane. He he just went crazy. Some people that think they're so untouchable can go crazy. A lot, a lot of people think our our president is crazy. A lot of people think that our president is crazy because he's so high up there that he he feels that he can't be touched. So so now Nebuchadnezzar is crawling around in in the in the dew of the grass. He's out there like an animal. Long hair, claws on his nails. And at the end of time, chapter thirty four goes on to say, At the end of the time I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the most high and praised him and honor him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All of the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of heaven. Heaven, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned back to me. So during that last scripture from 34 through 35, uh, it doesn't give specific as to what happened. Um, But during this time, he's walking around like a madman, basically. God returns him once he acknowledges that God is who he says he is because he is now that same person that was in his dream that was interpreted to him. He is not this animal type person. He realizes that, hey, he has no control over this. God is controlling this. God is controlling him, his emotions, what he's doing, what he's going through. And he has to give God the praise for, for who he is. So during this time, he lifted his eyes to the heaven and his understanding returned to him. And he realized that God is most high and praised. And it's he who lives forever. 
So God restored him back to his senses. And uh, and he t- returned him back to his kingdom. It says, my counselors and nobles resorted me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven of all whose works are truth and his ways are justice and those who walk in pride. He is able to put down. So being prideful will always get you knocked down. Maybe not right away, but it will. So those who have Nebuchadnezzar's around you and refuse to to uh, submit to uh, anyone or anything that's greater than them, they eventually get shot down. I knew of a person who was so high up on their horse. I'm not going to say he or she was so high up on their horse. And if you see them today, you just, I just shake my head because it's kind of sad how much pride and dignity they had and how God just shot them down. And, uh, it's not a good thing to be proud. It's not a it's not a good thing. So the tallest trees can be shot down. Don't ever think you are untouchable because there's always someone that's coming up behind you that reminds you that you're touchable. Now, so Nebuchadnezzar's sword, he eventually passed on and his son Belshazzar, I think I could pronounce that a little bit better. King Belshazzar takes his place, but he has taught his son prideful things. He's coming in with the same prideful attitude that his father has. Even though he saw the things that happened to his father, he still has a prideful um, attitude. And sometimes we can curse our whole generations by our behaviors. If your kids mimic what you do or other people mimic what you do, they see you as being powerful and uh, that's all they see, they can take on that same trait and you can cause bad things to happen within your life, bad things to happen within your family because you have set this this uh, uh, generation of prideful people coming up and they just get knocked down one after the other, one after the other. And this is what's going on with Belteshar. Belteshar, he had made a, a a feast. In those days, they love having their feast, their parties. So he made this huge feast for a thousand of his lords and um, and their ladies. He did He did all of this. So he decided to give a command and tell the guards or whoever to go and get the silver vessels that his father had taken from the temple. Now, remember when we talked about how uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in and just kind of took over the jewels and held them captive, uh, took the um, fine linen and the gold and silver, took all that stuff out the temple. That's how Daniel uh, became under Nebuchadnezzar, how he got his fame. He was with those captive, but they changed his name to Belteshazzar. I hope I said that right. But now, so now the King Belteshazzar, he makes his feast. He says, okay, bring in the silver and the gold vessels from the temple that were in the Jerusalem's temple. Bring them and give them to my guests. So he took, he took the the uh, vessels from the temple and him and his friends drank wine from it. Yeah. They decided that this is what they were going to drink wine from. No respect, no, no anything for God, but he is following in his father's footsteps. This is, even though he saw his father in the end, uh, he went crazy. And he had to admit God was who he was because God made turn, made the man mad. He turned him into a crazy man. Okay, this is what, because he could do it. He has the power to do 
do that because you are only a mere man. That's it. So he, even though he sees this, that doesn't uh, that doesn't stop him. He go ahead and he drink wine. He gives the wine to the people in his party and their wives. And so this is what happens. They drank wine. This is chapter five, verse four. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and wood and stone. And they drunk it. Not only did they drink it, but they also was worshiping their own God, showing their own God, the pagan God, praise out of sacred vessels and that were in the temple. So already he's just asking for it because once again, he doesn't realize that he is mere man and you can't mess with God. You can't mess with God. So while they were drinking wine and praising their gods of gold and silver, these were their gods. In that same hour, the finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote it. So, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked up against each other. And he cried out aloud to the astrologers, um, come on, bring them in. Someone needs to interpret this. Now, I know if I'm at a party and some hand just comes out of nowhere and writes something on the wall. And what he wrote, he God wrote something that was backwards on the wall. Because, see, you plant, you already plant with fire. You're messing around and you're, you're, you're doing things that you're not you know it's sacred that you don't you don't care about and most people with prideful attitudes in today's society don't care they don't care how you feel they do they do what they want to do because they feel that they are untouchable that's these untouchable people out here so he calls them in and he has them he tells them about he shows them what is going on on the wall and we'll be back. Let's go to the hill song. What an awesome God that we
right. <laughs> that was our God is an awesome God. That was from Hillsong. So when we left off, uh, we were talking about King Belshazzar, talking about how he took the vessels of gold and silver that his father had taken from the temple when he captured Jerusalem and drunk wine with his friends. They drinking and they having a good old time and they worshiping their god of silver and they're just having a ball, getting drunk off of the sacred vessels in the, in the, from the temple. And so while they're having this party, this hand comes out of nowhere and does a writing on the wall. And it because of seeing this, the whole the king's countenance completely changed. Um, his joints were loosened, his hips were loosened. He just fell to pieces, and I, I would too, if I saw a hand come out and, and do a writing. So he once again, like his fathers and those before him, he goes to the astrologers and the magicians to ask someone to interpret this handwriting on the wall because the handwriting is backwards, and um, that would have been enough for me. I would have dropped every vessel that I had and dropped down and started praying, but this is not what they do because they serve a pagan god. So his wife, the queen, uh, when she found out about this and and being that they couldn't find anyone to interpret it, she he says excuse me, here I go. She says to he says to his audience O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your continents change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like wisdoms were found, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. The king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him chief over magicians, astrologers, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit of knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in Daniel. That's really blessed. Whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will give the interpretation. So Daniel came in and he told Daniel that if he would interpret this dream, he would he would grace him with... Uh, with a purple robe and gold around his neck, and he'd be the the third ruler over the kingdom. And uh, that's pretty much all I have time for today, because uh, Daniel interprets the dream, and right after he interprets it, King Belshazzar dies. He was slain. And we will go into briefly what the dream not the dream, the interpretation, the writing on the wall meant reading the writing on the wall. Sometimes in our lives we have writing on the walls that we ignore. And uh, especially if we're not doing things right and being prideful and not giving God the glory that do him. So make sure that you pray. Pray for the people who lost their lives. Pray for yourself. Pray for me because I need it. <laughs> I'm tired. I work too hard. And um, it's starting to reflect on certain things that I do. So I definitely need prayer. I ask all of you to be safe. Have a blessed day. Don't forget to go out and vote. And we will be back next week at the same time. This is Lena Jones, and I'm out. And I hope you enjoyed it. It was a little bit bumpy today. (laughs) I got a lot going on today. I'll see you tomorrow with In a Cut with Jay. There is power.